actually doing here i'm down right. for whatever i'm yeah. just starting the recording now by the way but what we're Howdy. doing um is that we are uh basically looking into three different revolts slash revolutions um and so we're looking at one what caused them like what's the main causes to how were they won and three what is the constitution that results from them um so the way this idea popped up into my head uh, was through a episode of the Status Quo Pod, um, and he was talking about how the Second Amendment right in the American Bill of Rights essentially has to do with how the revolution was won. So there was all these fucking militias, and they all had their guns, and that way they basically kicked out the British. Mm. Um, and I was like, wait a minute. Um, I've looked into the Dutch revolt a little bit um, and we won in a very different way mainly through um, warfare on the water through economics and through uh, uh, professionalizing of the army um, so uh, it makes sense that we don't have a second amendment right or any right to, to guns um, because it wasn't an essential part in gaining our independence. So, so how, yeah, how does that story begin? You know, I don't even know, going back to why the Spanish, uh, um, I don't even know what you would call it. Why did the Spanish have uh, control over the Netherlands? I don't even know where that comes from. All right. Well, uh, let me start away at the beginning with this because I put up a bit of a, uh, a timeline of events. Or are you going to educate me? Oh, very good. I like this. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I like this so, today. Okay. Um, so does that mean I'm doing this for you with the American Revolution? Probably, yeah. And we're both going to try and stumble our way through the French Revolution. <laughs> yes. Okay, <laughs> yes. fine. Good. Well, okay. Well, shit talking the French a lot. Of course. Even though, let's be honest, they had the most interesting revolution. <laughs> uh, I disagree. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess you'll have to prove your point. <laughs> All right, so um, the way the Netherlands came to be um, part of the Spanish Empire, um, it, well, we got to go back all the way to when the Netherlands even became any kind of an, uh, a recognized entity, in the sense that um, before this, it was just kind of a, a bunch of loose provinces. Now, through marriage and through diplomacy and through war, um, these provinces were just part of the um, Habsburg Empire. Um, at this the time, Aust the Austrians, the Austrians, yes. yes. Um, and 
essentially the Spanish, actually. Um, because at this point, Charles V, um, he was the Spanish or Habsburgian uh, emperor. Oh, okay. All right. Um, not to be confused with the Holy Roman Empire, by the way. Um, those which, are the, which the Netherlands was a part of. No. Or, I mean, the various uh, states that make no, up no. the Netherlands so were a part of. The various states that made up the Netherlands, those were part of the Habsburgian Empire. Okay. And Germany and some other places were part of the Holy Roman Empire. Two different empires. Okay. So, um, at like the very first time, the Netherlands are kind of recognized as a, I guess, as a state or a, a unit apart from just a, a loose selection of provinces is in 1549. At this point, they are... Uh, well, established as such by the pragmatic solution uh, or the pragmatic sanction. And there's really not a lot to say about this. It's just mostly a bureaucratic move by Charles V to uh, further centralize power in his empire. All right, well, from there, um, we scroll forward uh, about seven years, 1556. Uh, King Charles V dies. Nice. Uh, yes. And he leaves Philip II as his king. Shit. Now, uh, you've got to imagine, already by this time, the Netherlands were very rich. Um, because there was a lot of trade from the uh, Baltic Sea, a lot of trade around England and the Northern Sea. Um, so this, uh, this, this land was filled with pretty intelligent, pretty wealthy people. A lot of merchants. It was also around this time that the Reformation was sweeping through Europe. Um, so with this in mind, um, Philip II, uh, being Catholic, sees it as a very important goal to um, defeat Protestantism. Now, as you can imagine, uh, this doesn't vibe very well with the Dutch um, because they were, one, largely Protestant, and B, uh, very dependent on trade. And as such, they were very tolerant of wrong thing, essentially. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So um, from there, uh, we get this uh, well, span. Hey, hey oh, hold yeah. on. Before you continue, where is the power base in... in what, what is the nation that we're discussing right now? Like, what, what would be... Like, what would you term this the place that we're discussing breaking away from Philip II's rule? It's uh, not called the Netherlands yet, right? You can basically describe it as the Netherlands. And what was its power center? Was it in Holland or, or Zealand? Um, or? I believe at the time it was in Antwerp. Um, because Which is Antwerp, in... Uh, it's Belgium, northern Belgium. Um, so... Belgium okay. is not at all uh, a separate country at this time. Like, there's no such thing as Belgium, basically. Right, yeah. Um, they are just like uh, the more southern part of the Netherlands. Yeah, and, and there's no real difference between Belgians and Dutch other than the language, right? Like, it's the same group of people. It's, it's largely more or less. the same, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, all right. Um, keep, uh, okay, keep going. I'm yeah. just looking at a map of the Netherlands to just kind of place myself. Yeah, okay. yeah, good move. Okay. I should have thought you to read this, but, you know. Um, anyway, so uh, at this point, we're not breaking away from the Spanish crown yet. Um, not at all. 
so between 1556 and between or to 1566, uh, the Spanish king raises taxes um, as well as steps up the Protestant persecution. You may have heard of the Spanish Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that was those guys. Um, they were absolutely fucking brutal, you know, just uh, torturing everyone who was or was suspected of, uh, well, not being a Catholic. Um, at the same time, the Habsburgian Empire is fighting a lot of wars all over mm-hmm. the place. Um, mm-hmm. And to fund these wars, they have to raise these taxes. Um, so, well, this isn't popular. Um, again, largely because of the trade. Um, so in 1515, or Jesus Christ, in 1566, uh, a group of 400 Dutch nobles um, go to uh, essentially the governor of the Netherlands, um, like the one that was appointed by Philip II. And what is the, and the, yeah, again, so you use the word Netherlands. So that's just discussing the area, like everybody was. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, that area was just established, like administratively as the Netherlands. Oh, okay. All right. So there's one government in the whole area now at this point. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So they go to that guy. Well, that woman, actually. Okay. Uh, They go to that lady. Yeah. And they They tell her. Margaret of Parma. Um, Of Parma? She's an Italian? Uh, probably. Uh, whoa. Uh, <laughs> and uh, basically, they beg her to lower taxes. Uh-huh. Um, upon which one of her advisors says, uh, and this is in French, so I'm going to absolutely butcher this, but it is important. N'ayez peur, madame. Ce ne sont pas de gueux. Sounded um, so much better than my attempt at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just would be, you just have so much closer proximity to them. I'm sure, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you hear that blasted <laughs> language every day. Well, not, not at all, actually. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but you, Bert, being an Italian. Um, of course. You should be able to pronounce some French. Um, was linguistically close to each other, you know? No, not with all that garbled nonsense that they brought in in the Middle Ages. Ah, uh, shut up. <laughs> they, they, they drop all their, every, every, I don't understand that language at all. Why would you keep writing it if you're just going to drop the last three letters of every word you say? Why would you keep writing it to normal? It doesn't make sense. Right, oh, well. Let me not get in there. It's all right. Anyway. So the Dutch nobles go to the, the governor, the governess. Yes. Yeah. And so this quote uh, translates to don't worry madam they're merely beggars um, well oh, at that point um, so between 1566 and uh, 1648 these go, these beggars whoop ass and win the war and that's the end it was nice talking to you bird uh, see you next time <laughs> great, great. <laughs> no um, a bit more happens um, so, um, because of this rising uh, Protestantism in the area, um, these Protestants, especially Calvinists, um, they believe that all these uh, saints and these statues are uh, idolatry. Um, so, in 1566, they start the iconoclastic fury, as in they storm Catholic churches and they smash everything to pieces tear up the paintings, throw down the uh, the uh, the statues, 
loot all the gold. Um, and just Can't forget that part. <laughs> <laughs> and just make a big mess. Well, um, as you could imagine, uh, with Philip II being very uh, strongly Catholic, this isn't very popular. So, in 1567, he sends in the Duke of Elba with um, 10,000 troops to crush the rebellion. Um, when he arrives in the Netherlands, this Duke of Elba um, establishes the Council of Troubles, um, a council that becomes known to the Dutch as the Blood Council. Okay. Mm. Now, you can probably imagine where that name comes from. Sure. (laughs) Um, Very, very violent uh, repression of uh, Dutch rebels, essentially, and of any uh, Protestants and and just people that aren't Catholic enough. All right. So we move on a bit. This is largely successful until um, 1572. Uh, Dutch uh, water rebels, sailors, um, who have taken up the uh, the name of Geusen, which would be Dutch for Geu, or beggars. Um, they conquer or they capture the city of Den Briel, um, which is not really a city that exists anymore now. Um, and it wasn't of particular importance back then, but uh, it gives a lot of courage uh, to the rebels and to the rebellion. So it resurges. Um, so, you know, more rebellions start to kick off in the Netherlands. All right. So we move forward another few years. Um, and this will become a bit of a trend. In 1575, the Spanish crown declares bankruptcy. Um because uh, they were fighting a war with uh, the Ottomans in the east. Um, and I believe at later points they were also at war with the English and with the French mm-hmm. um, and with the Holy Roman Empire um, and with everyone. Um, well, turns out uh, war is expensive because you've got to pay all these fucking mercenaries. Right. Um, so the Spanish crown declares bankruptcy. Um, this doesn't immediately have very positive consequences um, for the Dutch because mm-hmm. what happens is that Spanish mercenaries plunder, rape, and murder in Antwerp, um, which was being besieged by that time. Um, this becomes known as the Spanish Fury. Now, um, this isn't like this, this causes even more rebellion because. Uh, you know, uh, violent plundering uh, isn't isn't a way to keep your people happy, mm-hmm. strangely. Um, all right, so uh, next year, 1576, the pacification of Ghent happens. Ghent is... Is that how you say that word? Wow, okay. <laughs> I thought it was Ghent, I thought it, but of course it's not. <laughs> Ghent, okay. Yes. Um, So, at this point, um, the uh, different Dutch states and provinces openly declare they wish to drive out the Spanish forces. 
William of Orange, also known as William the Silent, is named as new leader of the Netherlands. Um, however, and I think this is very interesting, they still remain loyal to the Spanish crown. Mm. Um, basically, their reasoning that they put down in the specification of Ghent is uh, that they are of the opinion that the king has bad advisors uh, and they are merely essentially defending themselves against an invading force. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they wish to drive out the mercenaries and the bad advisors, but they are still loyal to the crown. Like they they put it as if they are doing this in service of the king. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, another few years go by, some more rebelling, some more warring, uh, with mixed success on both sides. Um, 1579, Union of Utrecht. And this is where the Dutch state really declared themselves a union. Mm-hmm. So now they're not just like a, a group together, a bunch of provinces uh, administratively. Like they cl- declare themselves to be their own union. Um, and basically, in a little bit more detail, they present to essentially the world um, as one, mm-hmm. but they hold sovereignty within the states. So uh, I think very similar to uh, the U.S. The early United States. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what is that, by the way? <laughs> red wine. No, I know. I could tell, but what is it? Uh, I don't have the bottle right here, so I'd have to check. Damn it. All right. Got to know. I got to know I'll, what the uh, Europeans are drinking. I'll tell you later. Yeah. Uh, probably your guy will possibly come in between here at some point. Uh, or maybe we'll get through this very fast. We may, we may be able to get through it, to be honest, because he hasn't, he hasn't texted me, so we may be able to get through it. Who knows? This is fast, going faster than I expected. So, um, Let's see. All right. Um, so a few years later, um, now really things start to come into action. Um, the Plakkaat van Verlatingen is signed, or the Act of Abjuration. Um, essentially, is the Dutch Declaration of Independence. Oh, okay. Um, what does it say on it? Does it? Does it? What is it like? What are the opening? Uh, what's the opening lines? I'll get into that. Um, but uh, it shares a lot of. Um, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, similarities with the American uh, um, Declaration of Independence. Is that uh, do you, is that a coincidence, or you, or do you, or is that on purpose? I well, I mean, it's probably on purpose from the Americans uh, because this was way before any. That's what I meant. No, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I meant. Like, do you think yeah. the American? Do you think the Americans? Because I don't know of this, but from your perspective, do you think they the Americans? I think so, um, okay. because uh, I'll get into a little bit of it here, and we'll get into a bit more later, possibly. Um, Did that make the Dutch constitution the oldest constitution in Europe? Not quite. We'll get into that as well. Um, okay, all right. But basically, um, the Dutch constitution differs a bit from the American one, uh, in the sense, historically, that the Dutch constitution was formed in like 1815. 
So it, ah. we didn't like form a constitution immediately yes. upon our declaration of independence. Um, oh, um, yeah, sorry. I jumbled the two of them. Okay, so you declared independence in, in the... It's got to be before the Dutch Golden Age. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it's in, in the uh, late, late 1500s. Like yeah, late 1581. Okay. And, and, yeah. and the borders of that land, out of curiosity, the borders of the land that declared independence, have they changed very much? Not a lot. No. So that so that's a very old country then. Like yes. like in the sense that it's it's been the same area that's been independent for the same amount it is a very that's very long. I mean I'm sure there I mean there's a lot of countries in Europe that have that case uh but much older. I guess yeah. you can say that yeah. for the Spanish. I don't know when the Spanish become the Spanish, but yeah, that's got to be really? one of the oldest countries in Europe has to be. Interesting. Yeah, yeah hmm. absolutely. Um so uh, let me see where was I? Ah, right. So um, here we go. A little bit of uh, similarities uh, because I copy pasted this right into my document. Um, so both documents share, uh, or they they both begin with a, a preamble that justifies, uh, in very similar fashion the rights of citizens to revolt against authority. Oh, that's so that would be before John Locke. Yes. Wow. Huh. That's really interesting. Yeah, I read it through. It took me a bit of Googling, but um, because the text can be found quite easily in Old Dutch, but Old Dutch is very hard to read um, if you don't know it because it's very different from like modern Dutch. Um, Anyway, in modern Dutch, there's like, I don't know, four, five, six paragraphs just detailing all of the complaints against the Spanish king mm-hmm. um, and even all the actions that Dutch nobles have taken to stay loyal to the king and to advise that's, him. Yeah, that's so that, interesting. That's, that's in our Declaration of Independence as well. It exactly. goes through that systematic list. Yeah. 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 And all the steps that the Dutch nobles have taken to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So it it basically makes the case, basically makes the case that the Dutch nobility tried everything they could. They were tried to be reasonable and yes, like yeah. But so just kind of it lists their reasons. They don't just say, "Nah, fuck you. We're not. (laughs) We're not doing this anymore." Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. So let's see. Um. They also both talk about the natural rights of citizens to remove a tyrannical leader. Um. Which is kind of crazy, uh, in a sense, because it offers up the justification that uh, a king should serve his people, and not people should serve their king. Right, right. And this is not, yeah, this is, I mean, not entirely unheard of, but it's quite a new idea. It's very new. Yeah, it would be very early for that idea. Yeah, It'd be very early. Then again, I guess Protestantism probably has a lot to do with that. Probably, yeah. Um, although. I think there's um, uh, because you see this throughout. Like I've I've read all of the articles by now, mostly Wikipedia because holy shit, there's a lot of uh, information on this. Um, but the two main things are um, that they the the Dutch states and provinces they want freedom of religion for Protestants. Mm-hmm. Um, freedom of religion for Catholics and others is a bit less of a priority. Um, and well, they seek to be rid of these taxes 
because it's a trading nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so less, less taxes is more better. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, so a few bullet points that they put down here is uh, both documents present a lengthy catalog of grievances as evidence of their king's tyranny. Both documents repeated attempts by authors to seek redress of their complaints through existing legal and civic channels. And both conclude that having repeatedly been rebuffed by despotic authority, the plaintiffs have no alternative but to invoke the right of revolution. Um, and then uh, the scholar that looked at this says, it is feasible that Jefferson turned to the placard in pondering the declaration. Um, so there's actually a chance that uh, the founding fathers actually took a good long look at the Dutch acts of our, our, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is the word? Anyway, of, at the plakkaat van Verlatingen, um, when they were drafting the um, Declaration wait, of Independence. Wait, yeah, you got to explain that one to me again. Yeah. I lost you on the name. I was like, wait. <laughs> uh, so the act of abjuration. Okay. Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So it's called the Act of Abjuration. Yeah. I have, oh, that's so I interesting. I don't know why that is. No, well, that's interesting because abjure is, is would you know what abjure basically means to to Not push quite. something away. Ah, okay. Yeah, abjure yeah, sounds, means. Uh, to, but that's interesting because the Declaration of a, a Declaration of Independence, it just has a different uh, connotation, a different meaning than mm-hmm. uh, Act of Abjuration. Yeah. Yeah, if much, angrier, to, uh, <laughs> much angrier, much angrier at the act yeah. of abjuration. Like, yeah, yeah. That is basically get the hell out of here. That's <laughs> is what that means. Well, it's um, if I translate it very literally from Dutch, the plakkaat van verlatingen, it means the, the placard of leaving. Oh, interesting. So it's literally the justification of leaving the authority of the Spanish crown. Right, right. Um, hmm. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, so uh, it takes a few years um, before the actual Republic of the Seven United Netherlands is established. Um, because it was not quite a, uh, a monarchy at first. Um, and it didn't become really a republic by choice as much as it was by need. Um, right. Okay. So there was no like election of a new monarch. No. Okay. Was uh, there a reason? What was yes. the reason? Why not? So the reason, uh, it's 1588 that uh, the Republic is established. Um, the guy they originally wanted, wanted to establish as the new king would be William of Orange. Um, oh, that's interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's only one problem with that. Um, he was assassinated in yeah. 1584. Yes, he was. That's right. Yeah, hmm. by the English, right? Mm, no, no, by uh, some cunt hired by the uh, Spanish crown. Oh, okay. I thought it was by the. I thought he had problems with the English too. We had problems with the English too, but that's uh, later on. Later, right? When that has to do with orange, right? Isn't isn't the same? I don't know why he's called um, of orange. Is that just because the national color is orange? No, um, national current color is orange. Um, because of the of orange name. Oh, and orange is a province. Mm, kind of. Um, okay. 
Orange or Orange is where William of Orange originates from. Sure. It's not in the Netherlands anymore. Um, I believe it's somewhere entirely else, actually. Uh, somewhere oh, in France, I think. Nowhere near. Uh, okay, okay. Somewhere in thre- France or Germany or something like that. Okay. Like it's near-ish to the Netherlands. But it's not even in it. It's not in it. No. no. Okay. Um, so the color is orange because the place is called orange. And uh, now I wonder whether or not the place is called orange before the color or if the, you know, this, that's very complicated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a good question to which I do not have the answer. Although, wait, is orange in, in Dutch, is it, is it orange? Yes. Okay. All right. So we got, I'll, I'll, I'll search that one down, Dutch. You, you, you do the rest. <laughs> All right. Um, a fun fact, by the way, um, in the Dutch national anthem, uh, huh. one of the first lines, if not the first line, is actually uh, because it's like the, it's almost like the autobiography of uh, William of Orange. Okay. Or at least the first part is. Uh, it's basically like the song of the, the Dutch resistance. And it says, I was always loyal to the Spanish crown or to the Spanish king. Like it's literally the very first line in a national anthem. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, like so, presently, like to this day. Yes, to this day. I was so how is that said now? Is that said in like tongue in cheek or like what is, how no. is that said? Well, I mean, we, we're not as... Um, uh, like like, like as are you based... About yeah. our national anthem as the Americans. Um, so it's not played at... Every sport event. event. Yeah, well, then, and it's not even because we're zealous about it. It's because the military owns the NFL, <laughs> and, and that's a fact. But yeah, I uh, okay. So, what is what does the uh, national anthem? When, what does the national anthem do for you? Like, what does it? What is it like? When is it used? If um, ever, like, why do people know it? Even know it? Well, I'm. That's a good question, actually. I mean. It's taught to us in um, elementary school. That's one. But there's no uh, expectation of like having your hand over your heart or anything. Um, it's just kind of optional. You know, do it if you want. Don't if you uh, don't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's sung at um, uh, like f- soccer World Cups. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we play as a country instead of a, a club... Uh, and like a few events like that. So like at the Olympics, uh, it plays um, basically uh, big international sports games um, where uh, where you play like as a country and not as a particular team. Um, mm-hmm. And then we celebrate King's Day, um, at, which is probably played at some point uh there's probably a few more special occasions but really it's quite rarely played it's Mm. it's just kind of part of history by now (laughs) yeah yeah it's weird because you think a national anthem doesn't serve much of a purpose unless you're saying it a lot yeah 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 okay that's interesting well there you go yep um so, so so yeah, going back to it then, so what is that, why is that said? Like, why is that the f- opening line? What do you think is the purpose of that being the opening line? Well, I think uh, much like the Marseillaise in France, mm-hmm. um, it was a, a resistance song, is my guess. 
um, and it just works essentially to prove the point that we are not crazy people. We are not right. Exactly. Okay. Like yeah, we're not just some group of assholes that just like want it for ourselves. You know. Oh uh, yeah. We are working for a greater purpose here. Like we were working in service of the Spanish king to, um, you know, to to work away or to to get rid of his bad advisors and of of this persecution of mm. ourselves. Um, I think that's the main uh, main thing. Yep, that makes sense. Anyway, so it's 1588. The Republic of the 17, Seven United Netherlands is established. Why does this happen? Several monarchs are approached. Um, some show interest, some don't. Um, wait, wait what, what do you mean? How do they, yeah, how does that work in Europe? It's like weird. It's like a sports team. Like they add a new sports team to a league. You have to do a weird draft and pick from all the leaders who already exist in Europe. Is that how dude, it goes? I looked into it uh, and it's just a fucking mess. It's a mess, right? Like they, yeah. they you can't just create your own king, right? No. Like they had to find somebody. Well, I mean, imagine, so this is why they wanted to get a king. You can't mm-hmm. just declare yourself a republic. That was unheard of. It, oh, was it there really? was no such thing. There was no such thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, I guess at that time you had not seen anything like that in Europe outside of very small cities in the Holy Roman Empire. No, You never exactly. saw a country like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, quite a few monarchs. I believe the English uh, crown was uh, approached. So did uh, the, the, the Dutch people never had a problem with the English? I mean, like, like before, but I'm saying before this. No, no, not really. Um, so Is getting it, back all the way to, uh, where are we? Da, 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 1572, when these yeah. Dutch water rebels capture Tendril. This happened uh, April 1st. One month before that, they were kicked out of uh, the Spanish harbors. Or out oh. of Spanish ports. Okay. Um, so that's, uh, but we don't have, we've not really had too much of a problem with English up until that point. We've had a few wars with them. Uh, we still installed a Dutch king on the Spanish throne or the, the English throne at some point. Um, and then we go yeah. to the glorious revolution. Yeah. And how, and how did that happen? It's so weird how that, that we got to get into that by the way, at some point, cause that is a bizarre event. <laughs> I'd fucking love to. Uh, we can maybe we can do that as like an addendum to this podcast. Yeah, why this not? Episode. Yeah, why not? Fuck it. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, so no uh, candidate or no suitable candidate for the uh, Dutch crown is found um, because the English didn't want any of it because they were afraid of um, getting into conflict with the Spanish. Mm. Um, some other nobles showed interest but they didn't meet Dutch demands um, so um, they they established themselves as a republic uh, which needed a very lengthy uh, legal justification um, because again you couldn't just say well fuck it we know you, we can't find a guy so we're just going to declare ourselves a republic Go fuck yourself. It just, that wasn't an option at yeah. that time. Um, so, 
well, they had to like draw examples and, and find examples of why it's okay to revolt against the king, etc., etc. Um, and they established themselves as a, rev- a republic. Um, mm-hmm. So between 1588 and 1607, uh, some more warring occurs again with some mixed success. Um, the Spanish crown has to declare bankruptcy again. Um, at least four mutinies by a Spanish mercenary occur. And then um, in 1609, uh, a 12-year truce is introduced. <clears throat> so uh, at this point, uh, there's just a, a ceasefire, essentially, for uh, 12 years. And uh, during this time, the Dutch and Spanish also trade. Um, and this time is used by the Dutch to uh, build out their navy, uh, build out their colonial power, build out their economy. And this is what kicks off the Dutch Golden Age. Ah, there's it. That's the last <laughs> bit. Well, there you go. Um, Jeez. Better hope your guy shows up now. You well, no, not not last bit of the story, the last bit of my wine. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> that no. that escalated quickly. No, we're almost there, um, because the rest of it uh, it goes a lot quicker. Um, so that golden age is uh, is kicked off um, between 1621 and 1648. Um, Dutch build out their colonies and their trade routes. Uh, mainly through war with Spanish and the Portuguese. Uh, how are they? How are they um, supplying the manpower for all these wars? That is a very good question. Um, they, I believe, it was all the way back at uh, the pacification of Ghent that they instituted a draft. Uh-huh. Um, and um, at some point, uh, William of Orange youngest son is um, instituted as prince um, and he professionalizes the Dutch army. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he actually creates an actual standing army which uh, was what together with the Swedes doing uh, the same with Gustavus Adolfus is what kicked off the military revolution in Europe. Um, because uh, again wars at this point were mostly fought with mercenaries Um, and the standing army would just be drafted from the Dutch population yeah Um, and they would probably stay at home and (laughs) and just protect the homeland pretty much and gotta imagine this war was very popular in the Netherlands because these people were being actively repressed right Um, like they were being uh uh, raided and, and tortured and murdered by the Spanish. There's, um, I don't know the exact year, but uh, one year, the Spanish besieged uh, the city of Maastricht. Um, and this was at the time a city of 30,000 people. Well, they raped, pillaged, and murdered their way through the city, and about 400 people get out with their lives. Oh, wow. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So, you can imagine that there was quite a bit of motivation to uh, fight back against the Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so basically the uh, final blow to the Spanish happens in 1639. Um, what they do is they send a 20,000 troop armada towards Flanders. Um, well, this armada is uh, sunk by the Dutch in, uh, in a decisive fashion, mm-hmm. um, establishing at this point in history the Dutch uh, as the foremost naval power in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, we are uh, both economically and military world leader at this point. Um, and then in 1648, uh, the Peace of Munster is signed, uh, where the Netherlands are now internationally recognized as an independent republic. Uh, the Spanish just kind of fuck off. Um, and there's religious freedom for Protestants. There's also religious freedom, kind of, for Catholics, but they're treated as um, second-rate citizens, essentially. Which, I mean, considering the times, isn't even that bad. What um? What is what is what does it actually mean? What is the difference? Like, what is it actually? What was the difference? You couldn't vote or anything. So, what were they tra- like? Was it just standard prejudice? Or was there uh, institutional stuff? That is a good question. I would need to do some research into that. Yeah, because this is not uh, Netherlands is not one of the countries that I know of that really persecutes Catholics very much. No. So I, I don't know I like what what much of the difference is. I don't think they were allowed to uh, practice their religion openly. Ah, uh, uh-huh. but it was kind of. Um, there were like uh, Catholic churches that were kind of hidden away mm-hmm. um, and they, those weren't really prosecuted. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a, let's see, I don't think I get into it over here, but um, so the, essentially the prince or um, Stadthouder of the Netherlands uh, is um, Prince uh, Maurits, which translate to something like Martin, I guess. Um, and he has this uh, advisor uh, who's also a statesman of some sort, like he has an official rank in the uh, government. Um, and uh, so the prince is a very um, strict Calvinist. Um, whereas uh, the, uh, the, the statesman... Uh, Johan van Almerbaderveld, let's just say John, is um, a lot less strict in his religion. Mm-hmm. So at some point, uh, a minor Catholic revolt kicks off, they riot a bit, um, and this is cracked down upon very heavily um, by the Spanish, or I, th- I mean by the, by the Dutch army. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Van Oldern Barneveld doesn't agree with this. This leads to conflict between the prince and, Van, and him. Um, and upon, at some point, he's blamed for these riots. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point, he's convicted of like uh, being a traitor and he gets his head chopped off. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, so much for uh, the history of it or the timeline mm-hmm. of events. Um, 
then I want to take a look at the, in my eyes, from what I've seen, the three main factors that contributed to um, the Dutch victory. Mm-hmm. So number one uh, is money. Um, because the Spanish were constantly fighting wars all over the place. Mm-hmm. I, right. I said it all the way at the beginning with the Ottomans, with the French, with the English. Um, well, that costed a lot of money. And you got to imagine, like, the biggest source of income for Spanish was gold from the colonies in America. Right. Um, so it lasted quite a long time for that gold to get to Spain, let alone for it to come to the mercenaries who had to get paid somehow. Um, so that cost quite a few rights and uh, at least two bankruptcies. Although I, I couldn't figure this out, but I just, it's one of the things I wonder. To whom does the Spanish state declare bankruptcy? Uh, well, to the, I would, yeah, that's an issue, probably to the, uh, what time is this? What time period is this? Uh, so late 1500s, early 1600s. I mean, the banks, obviously, right? They declare bankruptcy to the, to the various banks and countries they probably owed money to, right? Yeah, I guess probably. they right like I, the Borgias probably controlled most of the banks in Europe <laughs> at the time, yeah. right? Didn't yeah. They? So I, I mean, like maybe that—that's who. Yeah, who knows? That's yeah, uh, that is a good question. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see if I can look into it. Yeah, we do this. I did look into oranges, by the way. Ah, and <laughs> so, the ter- so the word orange is from the Sanskrit uh, word uh, naranj- naranga. Okay. Uh, which uh, translates to orange tree. Uh, and uh, it eventually turns into the Arabic naranj. And then it reaches France. Uh, and it turned, it, they just dropped the N because uh, of That's the, what uh, French do. <laughs> because of the article. Like if you were to say, uh, une naranj, you know, and you'd, mm-hmm. instead they would just drop the, the second N and say, une naranj. And, mm-hmm. and say so that would turn into orange or orange. Ah, okay. There you go. That's how we get it. But it does okay, actually. Cool. It refers to the fruit the whole time. It refers to the fruit. Uh, okay. Except yeah, in Dutch, right. you guys don't call the fruit. Um, no, we don't. An orange. Call you call them, it uh, an mandarin. Asian apple, right? Don't you call it an Asian apple or something like that? No, no. We call them mandarin. Oh, mandarin. Yeah, yeah, mandarin. Yeah. 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 Okay, there you go. Yeah, so it, it, does, it does allude to the fact that it's from Asia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, here's a... Uh, well, there you go. Oh, wait. No, 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 wait. Um, so uh, there's oranges and there's mandarins. Um, well, the little guys, yeah, you're right. The little guys are mandarins. Yeah. The big ones. No, we call those uh, sinus apples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chinese apple, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so very funny story about that, by the way. Um, mm. A few years ago, uh, some uh, Turkish ambassador came to the Netherlands, mm-hmm. or some Turkish uh, a member of government to the Netherlands to like, campaign for Erdogan, um, and he was like refused entry by the Dutch government. It was a whole mm. thing, uh, caused riots um, in the place where he was supposed to arrive, and mm-hmm. caused some uh, demonstration in uh, Turkey. So what did the Turkish people do? They got sinus apples or oranges and cut mm-hmm. them up. 
No, Jesus. <laughs> and we're like, well, that's cute, but it doesn't work. We don't go those oranges. <laughs> like, those aren't oranges to us. So, right, right. You know, have fun with cutting up your sinus apples. Right, right. It's oh, so interesting. Man, that is funny. All right. It appears yeah. to be, by the way, that um, the Spanish economy had declared bankruptcy to uh, uh, the Bourbon family, uh-huh. France, and to uh, it's mainly that's the only one I can find. So I, I get they were so maybe French banks. They had to declare in, uh, uh, bankruptcy to the French banks, but that's an interesting subject. I bet you it's got to be from some bank somewhere. Yeah, yeah got to mm. be somehow. Um, okay, you, you keep going though. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no worries. We have time. Um, so factor two is the Navy. Um, so first it was just the, uh, the water baggers, like mm-hmm. that rebels on ships. And later on it was an actual professional Navy. Um, now, to give the Spanish some credit, they were good sailors, um, and they had a very big navy, but they weren't equipped for the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like the Americans in Afghanistan. Uh, right, yeah. But with boats. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so the Spanish mostly sailed the Atlantic and a bit on the Mediterranean. Um, so their navies uh, consisted mostly of enormous galleys but loads of cannons and crew. Well, that's very cool and very cute, um, but it's not suitable for the water the way it is around the Netherlands, mm-hmm. which is shallow, treacherous, um, and just full of, of banks, like, uh, you know, big sand banks. Um, mm. And these ships, in these circumstances, are very slow and cumbersome um, because this wasn't... Uh, like these naval battles weren't taking place on the open ocean. This was taking place like meters off the coast. Right. Um, so the Dutch ships were, uh, well, very small, very fast, and they knew the terrain. Uh, also, they were crazy. Um, they invented fucking ships that they would uh, just light on fire uh, <laughs> And then a guy would like sail it towards uh, a Spanish Armada ship mm-hmm. and jump off at the latest possible moment. That's so stupid. <laughs> it's amazing, <laughs> though. It is kind of amazing. It works, though. Yeah, sure. I'm sure it does. It's, it's just, <laughs> I feel like you could get that job done if you just, I don't know, throw a torch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can't really quite throw a torch as a far big torch. As, you can, uh, <laughs> as you can shoot a cannon. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Um, and then factor three uh, is the army. Um, mm. So the Spanish army consists mostly of mercenaries, which weren't paid very well, which, I mean, we can learn from the 40-plus mutinies that happened. Um, and, well, the Dutch, they were kicking off the military revolution. They created a professional standing army that was even still paid in peacetime. Mm. Um, so that led to another significant advantage over the Spanish um, what also helped was that um, uh, William of Orange wasn't a particularly great general. He was like he wasn't particular shit, but he wasn't particularly great. Mm. Um, Prince Maurit was one of the greatest generals of his time. 
so, you know, he knew a thing or two. Uh, he was pretty good at all of that shit. So that helped too. All right. So now on to the last part. Uh, the uh, Constitution. Uh, as I think we said more or less at the start of it, the Dutch Constitution is a bit squirmy. Um, because we didn't really officially have a constitution before 1815. That's uh, a long time to yeah. have a, a nation that has no constitution. I don't, underst- I don't understand how they did anything. Well, uh, put it in perspective. So the Americans, you guys have the very oldest constitution that's still in use. Yeah. Um, in 17-something, right? 83? 1783, I believe. Yeah. Um, so after that comes the Danish uh, in something like 1812 or something. Uh, and then comes the Dutch in 1815. So uh, I see. making constitutions is actually a very new thing. Mm-hmm. Right, right. 1789, by the way. So it's even uh, a little farther. It's even a little yeah. farther. It's 13 years later. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we weren't even that far behind, not even 30 years. You got, did you guys have an equivalent of like the Federalist Papers? Like the government used to operate on a pre-constitutional, like for those 13 years where, what, where, uh, where we yeah. had, like where, where there was no constitution, we still had a qu- qu- constitution. Quote. Yes. Yeah. I'll get into that. Uh, because we have kind of a de facto constitution. Yeah. Like a guideline, like a set of guidelines, yeah. but it was never ratified. It was kind of just followed. Yes. Kind of. Um, so the very first constitution-like thing um, on the several Wikipedia pages I checked out, they call it the Fundamental Law, um, was established in 1579. So that is, I think, with the Union of Utrecht, mm-hmm. where Dutch declared themselves an actual separate state. Wait, is that really how you pronounce that word? Utrecht is the... Okay, I was going to say, there's no... Because I heard you pronounce the other city name that sounds like that. And it was <laughs> completely different than Utrecht. I was like, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All, I'm remembering all these names. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The main thing that came out of that was freedom of thought. Not even oh, freedom nice. of expression. Uh, because, I mean, again, this is so early. Uh, to be doing any of this, like freedom right. of expression is is like what the fuck? No, that's that's not even a thing yet. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So freedom of thought, you can just literally uh, like be Catholic, I guess. That's yeah, what you can Catholic. be. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can like have your own thoughts, which was already somewhat revolutionary at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so then in 1795, uh, a Bill of Rights is created. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. This is after an invasion of the French in a previous year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so your, your Bill of Rights was drafted very close to the time ours was. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Hmm. Um, so then uh, 20 years later, in 1815, the actual constitution is established. Um, I'm not going to go into all of it, uh, just the first chapter, um, because the first chapter of the Dutch Constitution serves essentially as a Bill of Rights. Uh, and I looked a little bit if the second uh, chapter is interesting. 
but just goes into um, the powers of the different state bodies and of the king. Um, and maybe it's interesting to get into that at some point, but for now that would just take too much time. Um, <laughs> partly because our system is a bit different than uh, now than it was then, because then we used to have a staten general and um, some other body, and now we have a, a first and second chamber, mm-hmm. uh, which serve similar functions to your house and senate without a president. So in our second chamber, uh, laws are essentially made if they get a majority there, mm-hmm. uh, which they generally do because uh, like most of the time, um, a ruling party finds a, either has a majority on its own, which actually has never happened, I believe. That one party had a majority on its own, so a coalition of several parties formed to get a majority in second chamber uh, so that any drafted legislation can essentially go through immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point um, it's uh, moved to the first chamber, which votes if they are uh, essentially okay with this law. Um, if not, it gets sent back, has to be amended and gets sent back again to the first chamber. Uh, if they okay it, it becomes law. The king officially technically still has to uh, check it and agree to it and like mm-hmm. give his signature uh, but he always does that similar to the English um, and I'm pretty sure that if he wouldn't he would just be gotten rid of yeah sure um, so uh, this I think the rights that we get in our bill of law are quite similar to uh, the ones in the American or bill of rights the, the laws in our bill of rights are the Very same as ours yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah not entirely um and i think looking at like both of them the american one is uh drafted significantly more compact and uh <clears throat> a bit less legalese um so i've covered the important ones here um the very first uh law is uh, equality before the law and a prohibition of discrimination on the basis of ideology, race, gender, or any other grounds. Uh-huh. Um, that's, these... that's like two of our uh, Bill of Rights yes. uh, put together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> two of our separate ones. Yeah. <clears throat> um, again, I mean, all of this is kind of, uh, it, it's susceptible to changes by the law, um, but it's a bunch of legalese that I couldn't quite figure out uh-huh. how it works but basically none of these are absolute um, then the second one is um, the the law determines who is and isn't Dutch uh, and some stuff about uh, delivery of prisoners mm-hmm. um, not particularly interesting uh, so third one is every Dutch citizen has an equal right to any public office so anyone mm. can be chosen or can apply for any public office. Got it. Um, every Dutch citizen has the right to vote in elections. Um, now, the next one is somewhat important. Every Dutch citizen has the right to petition the government. Um, oh, okay. Mm. Remember these nobles all the way at the beginning of the story? Right, yeah. Yeah, they were essentially petitioning uh, Margaret of Parma. Yeah. So you can imagine why... Uh, 
was considered important. Um, then uh, every Dutch citizen has the right uh, or the freedom to freely exercise their religion alone or communally. Um, and then uh, the next one is freedom of expression slash forbidding of censorship. So this one is a bit squirrely again, um, because they call it freedom of expression, but not really. What the law says is that no publication can be censored before publication. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, this is all within the law, so you can say unlawful things in your publication. Uh, if you do that, you can be censored beforehand, um, which makes the law pretty much useless, in my opinion, because uh, at this point we also have hate speech legislation in the Netherlands, so, you know, that will tell you how much uh, that constitutional right is worth. Um, it's also, of course, uh, it doesn't apply to marketing. Um, mm -hmm. Right. So next one is freedom of assembly. Um, then there's right to oh, essentially assembly again or demonstration. So explicitly you can go out and demonstrate. Um, then there's uh, a right to privacy. Uh, oh, what is that? That's weird. That's a weird one. Yeah. Um, the hell does that mean? There must be a precedent for that, right? There must be a reason why that's in there. Probably. What were the Spanish doing? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, the Spanish were just uh, probably like raiding everyone's houses. Uh, oh, do you think it's like that? I was going to say because in the 1800s, privacy means something very different than it does today. Maybe. Maybe, maybe it has – okay, so our – I believe it's our third amendment has to do with uh, quartering of soldiers. Like um, soldiers are not allowed in this country to station in people's houses and, and take up um, residence. Maybe yeah, that's, that's that. a good one. I hadn't – I haven't read anything about it. Basically, the right of privacy just says, like, in the personal th sphere, um, everyone has a right to uh, essentially be left alone to have their own privacy. Mm -hmm. The government can't interfere in that, mm. except it can, and it does. Yeah, which is an odd. Yeah, that's why it's such an odd, oddly phrased thing. Yeah. Um, so the next one is the inviolability of the body. Um, and then the other one is essentially house right. So government has no, is not allowed to enter your house unless under lawful, unless lawful circumstances say otherwise. So think of warrant. Um, I believe that's very similar to your right to be secure in your person and your dwelling or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. So then there's expropriation of property. Yeah. Uh, oh, so you guys don't have um, eminent domain um, that a a your the government can force a landowner to sell their land for market value if the government deems it uh, required that the land is necessary to build uh, a, a necessary government project. Do you have anything like that? Uh, well, constitutionally, that's probably not allowed, mm -hmm. uh, but practically, probably yes. Yeah, yeah, that's because I'm pretty sure it's a practicality for us too. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's not cool under one of our constitutional amendments, <laughs> but they do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, all this constitutional stuff is more a theoretical exercise. Of than, course, it always turns into that. <laughs> yeah, 
but essentially expropriation of property means that unless lawfully determined otherwise, um, by which I think they mean like unless you commit some sort of criminal act, um, the government can't take your property. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So the next one is essentially a right to freedom. So nobody can be robbed of their freedom unless they um, are in violation of the law. Yeah. Oh, can you, uh, do you have the actual language to that one? I can look it up. Uh, give yes, me a second. Because, you know, it's usually obviously uh, the United States was a slave owning country for mm. a long, long time, much longer than actually, did you ever even have slavery in the Netherlands? Like I'm sure you Holy did. Holy shit. You in, no, in, in actually in the country itself. Ooh, well, hmm. that's what I wonder, obviously, because you had to, of course, make slavery illegal in your colonies at some point, or you abandoned your colonies, one or the other, obviously, because slavery yeah. most is not legal, but like at home, you know, because the United States really didn't have any colonies uh, up until the 1900s. So they, they were a colony. So yeah, yeah. So they more or less our version of slave colonies was in the South. So yeah. I wonder that I wonder then. Did you guys ever need to make slavery illegal? I wonder if slavery in the ne- in the Netherlands is even illegal today. Well, it's certainly illegal today. Oh, are you like are you sh- in the books? It says that, or is it just one of those things that's assumed? To, you know what I mean? Because there's another law that says you can't keep a person locked up in a basement. Let's <laughs> you know see. I mean? um, and I'll tell you why. Because our amendment is a ver- has very interesting words in it. Um, the one that makes slavery quote supposedly illegal uh, okay. which I was I was just reading this the other day so I want to see the language of the Dutch constitutions if, right. if they make one to, in that nature the one about the um, you have your freedom unless you commit a crime what is that the words on that one yeah I have it here um, so I'm gonna have to do a little bit of translating here of course because yeah, yeah. it's um, uh, like it's article 15 but it's divided into like four bullet points um, right because these fucking people can't just like write in two sentences. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's right. Because in our constitution, it's a sentence. Like yeah. it's just paragraph style. Yeah, no. So you got to imagine the Dutch uh, constitutional rights. Um, let's see, the first five are like just individual uh, paragraphs. But mm-hmm. then at number six, uh, it's like weird. article six, paragraph one, paragraph uh, two. See, that's what, yeah, yeah, right. One, mm-hmm. two, four, et cetera. Right. See, our constitution has that, like, like in the beginning, and then the Bill of Rights is all just the paragraphs. It's okay. no, there's no sentences. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, let me see. Got of all right. So, vrijheidsontneming. Uh, it's called buiten de gevallen bij of krachtens de wet bepaald mag niemand zijn vrijheid worden ontnomen. Uh, hij aan wie anders dan op rechter bewel zijn vrijheid is ontnomen, kan aan de rechter zijn in vrijheidstelling verzoeken. Uh, hij wordt in dat geval door de rechter gehoord binnen een bij de wet te bepalen termijn. Uh, de rechter gelast de onmiddellijke in vrijheidstelling indien hij de vrijheidsontneming onrechtmatig oordeelt. Uh, part 3. De berichting van hem aan wie met het oog daarop zijn vrijheid is ontnomen, vindt binnen een redelijke termijn plaats. Part 4. Uh, hij, hij aan wie rechtmatig zijn vrijheid is ontnomen, kan worden beperkt in de oef, uitoefening van zijn grondrechten, voor zover deze zich niet met de vrijheidsontneming verdraagt. 
All right. So I'm sure you understand absolutely nothing of that. Uh, nope. Not one <laughs> word. Not one word. All right. Um, so let's see. Uh, so the first part says, um, with exceptions of um, cases that are within the law, nobody uh, can be robbed of his or her freedom. Ah, uh, that's an interesting way that they say that. Okay. Yes, and basically all of it, like all of our rights, are phrased like this: like within the law, as the law determines, uh, you have mm. the right to do X or Y. Um, okay, so say that first one one more time in English, if you can, like roughly. Let's see. Buiten de gevallen bij of krachtens de wet. So, uh, fuck. Um, outside of cases with or according to the law, no uh-huh. one will be taken of his freedom. Oh, okay. So that is somewhat similar to... Now, let me read you. See, that's the one that I wanted to know. Yeah. That's the one, because that's the section one of uh, the 13th Amendment of our Constitution, or the Bill of Rights of our Constitution, rather, uh, is uh, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So yours is, a, is somewhat similar, yeah. but what's so interesting about our constitution and you can actually, what, that's very interesting. The way that it phrases it is except in cases the law deems fit is what yours says. Yep. And what I find so interesting about ours is because we were a slave-owning country, not necessarily a slave-owning like set of colonies, mm-hmm. uh, but with the actual country itself had slaves. I mean, New York made slavery illegal in 1799 right. in New York. So there were <laughs> slaves up until that point, roughly until that time. Um, it says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as punishment for a crime. So basically, our amendment uh, sets, like it, it sets into the law what kind of slavery you can have. Yeah, exactly. Yours doesn't do that as explicitly yeah. as that. It does say, it's, it, so you would say that the terminology at the end says rob them of their freedom? Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, it's more or less the same. Yeah, it's similar, but it's both like you said, very... Like you said with ours, ours is much more to the point and straightforward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very straightforward. I mean, I, I can't, I can't understand the Dutch of it, but I'm, I'm going with what you say. It seems, yeah, ours no, seems much more um, straightforward. I'll see it's, if I can find uh, an English translation somewhere. I believe it is uh, found somewhere. But yeah, that's one of the things uh, I noticed when I was going through this. Is the Dutch Constitution is written very, very legalese? Um, yeah, yeah. And basically, every right uh, has some some uh, exception essentially to add it to it like within the contents of the law or like um, according to the law or under lawful circumstances sure yeah so it basically creates its own loophole you know right uh, which I mean it's very interesting it also shows you how incredibly useless uh, a constitution is <laughs> yeah, pretty much I mean, it doesn't enforce itself. Nope. <laughs> um, let's see. Then, uh, what I think is very interesting, I 
don't think this is an American constitution uh, or even American Bill of Rights. Um, mm. Is the Nula Puina, I have no idea how to pronounce that, um, principle. So, um, no punishment without a law. Um, essentially, you can't be punished uh, without having broken any law. Yeah. Or, or the also very important principle of you can't be punished uh, for something that wasn't a law at the time. Yes. That's a very important one too. Yeah, I think that might be covered under that. Um, no, it sounds like it is, right? You can't punish somebody when something wasn't a crime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then number 17 is uh, Luz de non evocando. You're an Italian bird. Pronounce this shit for me. <laughs> Send it over. I'll try. <laughs> Italians, I can do Latin. I'm not so good at Italian changes a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, it's technically Latin, so. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, <Shut your> mouth. <laughs> there's a whole lot of German in it that shouldn't be there. They <laughs> non. All right, send it to me in, in Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, all right. Let's see. That's true. Out of the two of us, you're you are more the Germanic. <laughs> <laughs> By far. Trouble trouble with these uh, pronunciations. <laughs> uh, oh, use de non evocando. Yes, that one. Yeah. Okay. That sounds Latin. It does, right? That does sound Latin. Is that not Latin? Oh, it is. <laughs> is that Latin? I, I would think so. Ius de non evocando. I don't know. I can't tell if it... Oh, it's not Latin. It's, it's, I don't know what it is, but it's not... It might be fake Latin. All right. Well, pronounce this one for me as well. That's like okay. the previous one. Sort of no, uh, no punishment without a law. Nulla poena. Yes. Thank you, bird. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> that one's easy. That means uh, uh, to nullify punishment. Yeah, there uh -huh. you go. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, the one they used to know avocado or whatever. Oh, the full terminology, by the way, Thomas, just so you know, is nulla poena sine legge. That is Latin. That is Latin. No penalty without a law. Ah, okay. Yeah, there, there we go. go. Um, sort of one after that basically says... Um, Everyone has a right to a judge. Um, so nobody will be stopped from seeing a judge in court. Yeah, that's a good one. That, um, that is in our constitution, but it's not as, it's as explicit as that. Interesting. Uh, that, yeah, uh, that is in our constitution. Can you read it again, like uh, describe it again? Or does it just reference those uh, principles? Uh, let's see. It says in Dutch, Niemand kan tegen hem wil worden afgehouden van de rechter die de wet hem toekent. So, mm -hmm. nobody can be held uh, away uh, or away against his will from uh, the judge that the law uh, assigns to him. Okay, so basically you, that you need to be supplied with a judge and jury at some yeah, point. Yeah, basically. Uh, no, that is, no jury that because is, we don't is, have oh, no, oh, no. You guys don't have juries? Nope. Wow, that's amazing. That's yeah. crazy. So you—that's—that's that's an amazing thing to me. I don't yeah. know if that's bet to be honest with you. Um, what What's interesting is in your country, juries probably would be a great idea. And for most of the history of this country, 
juries are a really bad idea because in the South, all of the juries were made up of a certain group of people and <laughs> being charged with the crimes yeah. were a different group of people. Yeah. So that, that actually worked against uh, democracy in that case. But in, in, in your case, it might, because there's much more similarity between peoples, it might actually be better. Maybe. I, I wouldn't be too sure of it. Don't Why, what do you think? Don't do you think the average Dutchman is not? <laughs> <laughs> Don't overestimate the intelligence or the moral integrity of your average Dutchman. <laughs> I never do. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, um, I, we have a, now let's see, because this is interesting. Maybe when we get into my, our, our, my revolution, we'll do more of this. But I believe... All trials shall be by jury. Yeah, that's in our constitution specifically. Hey, okay, that's interesting. So wonder, I wonder if that where that comes from. See, that would be something to come back to. I wonder that must come from England. Yeah, probably. That must come from England. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, I can't. I can't. I should know this. I can't find the the specifically enumerated right on the Bill of Rights that talks about um, needing a a jury of your peers. Article, yes, here you go. Uh, Article the seventh. Uh-huh. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service in time of war or public danger, nor shall any be subject to the same offense twice, uh, nor shall any be compelled uh, to be a witness against himself, uh, nor deprived of life, liberty, or property without the due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So there you go. So even in, even in uh, well, this is a big issue in states like California, people like Kamala Harris, uh, in the Constitution, it specifically says you cannot take property from a, a person uh, uh, unless you pay them for it, even if you're... Right. Sending them to prison. Now, one of the big issues is uh, in a state like California under Kamala Harris, they have these uh, police are able to take property from people without paying them for it. Um, And it's under like this idea that they're ill-gotten gains. So like they'll raid a drug dealer's house and then they'll sell most of his stuff off to the state's purposes, even though most of his stuff is his stuff. They they say, well, it was purchased, you know, with money that was made through ill-gotten gains. That's how they try and get around it. But yeah, so we in our constitution is a little more, I would say a little more developed, which makes sense considering that. Um, yes, exactly. I mean, it makes sense because it, it, it had a lot more time to simmer, even though you guys put yours together a little later uh, or at the same time, ours had a lot more to simmer because we were looking at the uh, English uh, uh, system and the Magna Carta and things like that. Yes, and exactly. you guys probably had no reason to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, so the next one, next right, is your right to uh, lawful assistance, I guess. What's that? Essentially the right to a lawyer. Um, oh, we have that. Yep, we have that as well. So We actually have that as a completely separate amendment. Uh, interesting. So do you. Yeah, yeah so do yeah, you. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so let me see. What does it specifically say? Uh, so basically, anyone can... And write and administratively uh, have themselves professionally assisted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then part two of it is uh, the law makes rules around uh, 
assisting people lawfully. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yep. So you guys have a, a guaranteed right that you can assist another person in a situation where you normally wouldn't be able to? Um, no. Not okay, I'm trying to figure I, out how that... Okay. No. Um, so the first part is just basically anyone has to write to a lawyer. Yeah. And the second part is basically uh, the law makes rules about what to do uh, for getting a lawyer for someone who can pay for one. Oh, I see. Okay. Now I understand. Yeah. Um, so from there, we get into some uh, rights or government duties that I think you don't have. Okay. And I wonder when these were added because I feel like these were added at a later point um, and we'll, you'll see why. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, let's see. This one is about um, availability of work. Uh, basically, the government has a duty to provide labor or to provide work. Um, and yeah, that sounds le- new. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to imagine, I, in my opinion, the reason why that's not guaranteed in our constitution is because our constitution is pre-industrial. Right. And the idea that individuals would need to be guaranteed employment assumes that like that kind of employment existed at the time when honestly, I imagine most people in the continental US were working at home, you know? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I don't think they had employers. No, me neither. Uh, Yeah, that does sound a little newer, although if it was, here's the other thing, if that's not new and that's pretty old, that's very um, ahead of its time. I don't know if you want to call it that, but in a way, I mean, like I do believe societies should really support one another, so I would call it (laughs) ahead of its time. Yeah, Uh, it's it's interesting, that's for sure. It's really weird because uh, like how would a government provide employment? Like public works, right? It would require yeah, like probably. it require they would they would maybe sometimes do stuff they didn't need to just to hire people. But yeah, I mean, this is not one. like a thing that really happened in the Netherlands. Like, you know, we went through the two thousand eight uh, yeah, yeah economic crisis just like the rest of the world, mm-hmm. um, and it was not like the government just uh, suddenly started creating a bunch of jobs out of nowhere. You know, it was just. Like maybe they now call that um, socialized programs. Maybe they kind of get a they get around that by supplying you with income in other ways. Maybe, I don't know. but maybe. that really applies to the next one. Okay. Um, so they call this. Uh, it's Article Twenty. Uh, uh, quite literally translated, it would mean uh, security of existence, uh, welfare, and social security. So. Um, Essentially, the uh, let's see how do we phrase it? The uh, security existence um, or existence security of the population and the spread of the welfare um, are subject to the care of the government. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, the government has to take care of you that you have like a, a minimal. Uh, standard of life mm-hmm. right um, so that's pretty interesting I think and then 
fuck, I'm opening the wrong tabs here. Uh, one second. All right. So the next one is the government has a duty to protect the environment. Um, and I don't think they mean protecting the environment. Well, you know, uh, I was yours. That's really interesting, but it makes a lot of sense for your country. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it thought no, because like, it, it's funny. Well, it's you know this. This is why I think um, that if you're talking about like uh, the way that a government needs to be formed, if you need to put one together, even though I prefer we didn't have to do that, yeah. if you ever have to put one together, like it should definitely be adaptable to the specific situation yes. and not like some sort of generalized, uh, doesn't really do anything but makes sense in theory kind of constitution yeah, so that exactly. would have to do more with dikes and and yes uh, yeah. the rivers and things like that right yes. yeah. yeah it largely has to do with um which were by the way probably the already owned largely by the rich and 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 the powerful anyway i'm sure yeah, most of the dikes <laughs> um although maybe not because there's really not a lot of gains to be made from a dike well, I mean, you create a whole river, right? Can't you can't you stop a river or start a river with it? Yeah, kind of. Uh, it it has some advantages, that's for sure. Mm. Um, let's see, environment. Um, so then, number twenty twenty two um, is the government uh, cares for the. Um, uh, uh, improving the um, or well the government takes measures to take care of the health of the population so now what does it mean what, what does it mean by health like like what does the Dutch word there mean uh, like by health oh oh wait people's um, people's health what does, what does gesundheit mean in German. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. So yeah, good physical health. So that actually specifically means good physical health. Yes, basically. Wow, that is... Yeah, we got to figure out when these were put in because these are... These seem very forward. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. These seem way too forward for something from 1815. Yeah, right. Um, Interestingly, under this same article, um, also uh, housing is covered. Um, as oh, well really? as uh, what's the word? Um, well, first, um, so uh, essentially taking care of enough uh, available housing is um, an object that is in the care of the government. Um, and then ontplooiing is the word in Dutch. Uh, let me mm. Google that real quick. Oh, here, uh, this is funny. The Wikipedia article says this, but I'm, I'm sure it's it's true enough. In 1983, a major revision to the Constitution of the Netherlands was undertaken, almost fully rewriting the text and adding new civil rights. The text ah. is sober, devoid of legal or political doctrine and includes a Bill of Rights. So potentially you could be looking at things from 1983, which would make a lot more sense. That makes a lot of sense, yes. That would make a lot of sense. Yes. The, as we knew, the Dutch weren't uh, as forward-thinking as we thought. <laughs> um, so I quickly developed the word, basically development or flourishing is the word. So oh, okay. uh, the government has to take care of the development of the people as well. Mm. And then lastly, um, 
there's the uh, public and special education. Um, so this is made up of a fuck ton of uh, like uh, uh, paragraphs, a total of eight. I don't think it's interesting to get into all of them, uh, but I'm just going to scan through them real quick. Mm-hmm. The first one uh, is just very general. So education is object of the um, lasting care of the government. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, all right. So basically, the next one is uh, education is free. Uh, and oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's got to yeah. be yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The government takes care of who uh, or or what the uh, education should entail. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. So uh, public education is done with respect to everyone's religion or uh, ideology as by law. Um, I remember this very vaguely from history, but there used to be a real strong um, like Catholic uh, reformed uh, kind of split in schooling in the Netherlands and the government stepped into that at some point. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it probably stems from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be extremely boring to cover. So <laughs> if somehow I completely run out of content and I still want to get to one. We'll, uh, talk, we'll talk about, about the split in the education system. <laughs> yes. <in the> Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. All right. This is just boring legalese and I can't understand. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, basically this so you don't even have that you know uh, let's be honest here you you know uh, I, I nobody really has that old of a constitution if you keep amending it all the time yeah you know? no, no. it's not really that old at that point because like to me, a constitution is a piece of paper that you look at in order to remember how you are supposed to behave. Uh, and if, if you add new shit to it and the times change, you're always going to look at it differently yep. in, in, a, in a different context. Um, like when the, when the first Bill of Rights in this country was drafted, we had a right to um, own our own guns and our own slaves. And then when the 13th <laughs> Amendment comes around now slaves are illegal but we still get to own the guns and i just feel like the interpretation of a bill of rights that comes after the two of those things are put in is very different than the one that exists when only one of those things is in that sounds very different yeah you know what i mean it's just has to be very different so it's not nobody's constitution is really that old exactly yeah it's fascinating though uh how uh I mean, you can really see the, the, the moment like a bunch of shit is added to the... Um, yeah, you can feel it. Yeah, you can yeah. tell. You can tell yeah. it just shifts from essential human rights to... To welfare. Uh, privileges. Yeah, welfare and yeah. privileges. Right, right. Yeah. Which whatever I your said, opinion on that is, is, I mean, it does... There's a noticeable shift in yeah, the concern. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Um, uh, one thing I heard about the Bill of Rights uh, of you Americans 
which I found very interesting, is that essentially it consists um, of a bunch of things that prohibit the government from doing shit. Yes, yeah. That's the uh, federal, yeah, the federal Bill of Rights does. Yeah. Uh, and that's very interesting to me because if you look at the Dutch Bill of Rights, like even all the way in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, there's this weird shit about uh, discrimination being illegal, which is also applied to... Uh, that's correct. And that's because yeah. our federal, because we have a federal system and you guys don't. So we have several governments in one. And I, I guess, I don't know whether or not like the European mindset is even tuned into that idea because it's, it's hard for an American to understand how our system really is supposed <laughs> to work. But uh, basically we have a federal government and the federal government's main job is to coordinate and make the states cooperate with one another. Okay. Now, every other... And now, obviously, in doing that, the federal government is given a certain amount of power and it mm-hmm. controls the military. Yeah. Um, but the states have their own militaries and militias as well. Mm-hmm. So basically, the federal government with its military, obviously, they have power of some kind. Yeah. With things like the CIA and the FBI, they also have organizations that can arrest people and can do raids on people and things like that. Mm-hmm. So our our federal constitution is concerned with in the process of making uh, the federal government work, number one, and making the states work with one another, number two, here are the things it can't do to the citizenry. Now, we also all have state constitutions and a state's bill of rights. That's Uh where you see, especially in things, in places like California, there, there, there is guaranteed housing in the state bill of rights because it's just not the place of the federal government to, to at least yeah. as we understand it to do. So imagine, so, so very much like what the EU is to you mm-hmm. is what the federal government is to us. But yeah. I think we make a bigger deal of the federal government than you guys do of the EU. Like you don't have yeah, any bro. say in who gets elected uh, into the EU's positions. Um, yeah, well, we do. We, well, in a sense we do. We really only have enough of a say as far as a popular vote goes, which isn't real anyway, but <laughs> it, it it's, it's a way to persuade the uh, representatives to vote in Congress for the president. Yeah. You guys don't really have that with the EU, but that well, would be your well, version of the federal system. Well, we, we have some control about who sits in the uh, European Parliament. Um, there's yeah, sure. elections about that. Uh, sure. But it's, again, a very squirmy process uh, that's very opaque. Yeah, and there's 10 billion different languages being used, which I'm sure makes it very difficult That's to understand one, one another, correct? Uh, yeah. You guys should all go back to Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that shit. Go back to Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> we whooped the Spanish. That's and, true. Uh, That's true. You guys whoop. should just have a, a language war. And whoever wins <laughs> it gets to, gets to have their language as the language. <laughs> that will be very hard because... The uh, lingua, the lingua Deutsch? I don't know what you would call, <laughs> would you call it. <laughs> Well, that's another very weird thing. Uh, like, why do the English call Dutch Dutch and not like Netherlandish? Yeah, what do you call your language? Nederlands or Netherlandish? Yeah, 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 yeah quite yeah, literally. Yeah. Wait, wait, what's the other one? Netherlandish would be like the the literal English pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, and and so and Flemish is a completely different language, right? Mm, Flemish, not quite. No. Um, I mean, it's probably like officially a different language, uh, but it's realistically, it's just a, a fucking uh, accent. Oh, okay. Or like so, a dialect. 
Okay, so Flemish is a dialect of Dutch, but really Dutch should be called Netherlandish. Yeah, although uh, if you hear them, uh, Flemish sounds a lot more like old Dutch than Dutch does. Oh, is that the case? What is the different? What is the pronunciation difference? Like, like, do they pronounce more letters? Mm, somewhat. Um, yeah. But there's um, a few words. Also, also, is it like a Hick language? Like, is it a language where all the rednecks are from, or is it like no, is, is no, Flemish no. like a high high standing language? Not quite either. Um, really? <laughs> is it like? Yeah. Is it like my accent? Is it just like? It's, oh, uh, he's clearly from there. <laughs> well, part of it uh, is. I think Americans don't quite understand this, but like if you travel through Belgium and through the Netherlands, like every 20 minutes there's new dialect. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you travel 20 minutes from New York, do you get a massively different accent? Or no, massively... you no, not massively. No, no. Uh-uh. No. All right. So, if I were to travel, well, let's say an hour, I travel sure. uh, like between my. Uh, where I live, where I study, to my job, I travel an hour. I can understand the accent where I live. I cannot cannot understand the accent where I work. So the words you can understand, but the way they speak is, they maybe speak too fast or they change the sounds of the letters too much. Like that's what fucks you up? Okay. And it's even worse. Um, Hmm. So roughly halfway between where I live and work is another place where I work uh, in the season. Uh, that accent I can understand by now. Okay. Go 30 minutes further south where I work yeah. now, and it's a completely different accent, <laughs> but it's the same province. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, some of your towns are probably over a thousand years old, you know? Same, Pretty much. Same families are living yeah. in the same place for thousands yep. of years. Yeah. Damn, so man. that's one. Uh, that's that's uh, interesting. Uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, that has to be a real I nightmare think... because even even the the, the sh- strongest accents in the United States all roughly sound the same. Yeah, like well, if I had an accent from the South, you could still understand what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, I, I talk like saying. I if I was talk like I was from Boston, you can still understand. You know what I mean? It's the same. It's the same. It's almost exactly the same the way that it sounds. We have a few accents like. Down in Louisiana, where the French came, again, it's the French. It's always the French, uh, where the French came in, and that French accent is that accent is very difficult to understand. But yeah. most accents are just this, you know. I could go anywhere in this country, which is I don't know how big this country is compared to Europe, but it's at least twice as big. Massive. And and I can and I can understand anybody from any corner of it. I uh, I believe New York City is about the size of my country. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that might be true. I mean, how many people are in the metro area of New York City? I wonder, just population-wise, it's probably... We've got uh, about 17 million people in the Netherlands. So. Oh, yeah, we have. We definitely have more people in our metro. Jesus Christ, imagine that. Metro New York City, New York City population. Well, how many did you say in the 17. Netherlands? No, yeah. 17 million people in the Netherlands? There are 23... There are 20 million residents in the metropolitan area Jesus of New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the metropolitan area of New York is actually pretty large. Uh, it's not that small, um, but it might, it looks like it might be about the same size as your country. Yeah. It might be about the same size. Let me uh, look that up real quick. Um, actually, we have found a, a solution to this uh, language problem. 
What's that? Um, we're going Written, to... right? No. Um, we have something similar to the Queen's English. Oh, um, do you? Yes. Except uh, it has nothing to do with royalty. We call it ABN, or Algemeen Beschaafd Nederlands, mm-hmm. um, which would translate to something like generally civilized Dutch. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, or maybe like general polite Dutch. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, uh, it, uh, it's taught, in, taught and spoken in elementary and high schools. Oh, um, I see. There's a way to kind the, of get everybody out of their, out of their like, <laughs> house accent. accent. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And people still have like accents, but you can very easily understand each other. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah, I think the, the thing is like, this country is so young and blew up so quickly. Mm. I mean, like, you know, 1849 is the California gold rush. So before 1849, there was no California. But by 1849, between the period of 1776 and 1849, as you can, which is obviously clearly less than 100 years, the yeah. entire country as we know it is, is in existence. Yeah, that's crazy. Holy shit. Yeah, it, it would be as if people from the Netherlands, like if, as if no one in Europe existed except people within the Netherlands, and within less than 100 years everybody in the Netherlands spread out to the whole of Europe. And you know more. what's crazy? This, to put this in perspective, right? Yeah. Um, your country was entirely developed as, uh, and, and discovered like as the entire country that it is faster yeah. than we won the war with Spanish. Yeah, pretty much. There's nobody in the way. I mean, there was literally nobody in the way. And I don't mean to say that the Native Americans weren't in the way. Obviously, Native Americans were, were a part of the whole situation. But like, well, yes, I, but- I mean to say, unlike in your country where everything is kind of tighter and close mm-hmm. to, like, like you have more forest and more mountain, like we have got most, like I would probably say a fourth of this country is flatland and desert anyway. <laughs> you know, like a whole yeah. middle of the country. I mean, you should see some of the, po- like a population map of the U.S. Actually, look up a population map of the U.S. And there's probably areas that are larger than your country that have no one in them. <laughs> Dude, I, uh, uh, let's see, let's wrap an end to this very quick. What One thing is, uh, when I went to the Grand Canyon. Oh um, my God, yeah. Like the entire Grand Canyon National Park area is bigger <laughs> in surface than the entire Netherlands. Holy shit. That's crazy. Um, but let's wrap this up. So, yeah. because we've been going almost two hours. Oh, I could uh, keep going too. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. But uh, uh, I'll invite you on pretty soonish uh, for the French Revolution. Uh, we'll have to struggle through that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'm excited for that one as well because like, mm. neither of us know shit about that one. So yes, yeah, I'm gonna have to actually a, read a about that one. Whole different dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll hit you up in DMs for dates and uh, how we're gonna yeah uh, put that together. Um, Sounds good. One more thing is uh, remember on Independence Day in America on July the fourth mm. that you have to thank your independence to the Dutch because we essentially invented the republic. Um, <laughs> And we invented kicking out monarchs um, and we invented um, the Declaration of Independence. 
Thank you. you Thank you to the Dutch. Thank you to the Dutch for everything except gun ownership. (laughs) It's just the only reason we got it all done. (laughs) Well, we got to leave something to you. That's true. Some innovations. Thank you for having me on, Dutch. Thank you very much uh, for coming on, Bird. This was uh, great. Uh, Look forward.